excited for this uh, afternoon's message because we, I've entitled it The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening. How'd you feel when you woke up this morning? Did you feel alert? You know, when you woke up, did you feel like, man, I got all these things I'm going to accomplish today? You know, there's some people in the world that will crack open some Epsom salts and stuff just to get a good start on the morning. I don't know if they were once, you know, professional athletes. You ever watch a hockey game and you see them on the bench and they're sniffing these salts just to, I don't know the medical side of it. But anyway, I was thinking about that this morning, that when you wake up in the morning, I remember reading this book by Benny Hinn called Good Morning Holy Spirit. In his book, he encouraged that every morning that you wake up, just say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Work through me today. Speak to me today. Now, I have to say that's not something that I've done every day, but that's something that I desire to aspire to. Because there's incredible provision when we give room for the Holy Spirit to come and minister. Amen? Amen. How was your work week? Did you accomplish all your tasks? Adam, how did it go at RBC? So-so. That's good. You know, in life, we get these different assignments, consignments, commissions, if you will. Have you ever had someone walk into your office and say, Adam, you know, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm giving you my whole portfolio. It's all yours. You ever had a moment like that where someone has thrust upon you an opportunity? But equally in that moment, have you ever felt like, this is cool, but how am I ever going to do this? This is something that I've dreamed of, something that I've waited for. But now that it's happened, what do I do now? Have you ever felt like you weren't totally ready or equipped for the task? It's okay if you show of hands, if it's not, I'm just trying to get a little bit of engagement here. You know, I felt that way from time to time. I'm thankful I can say that every time it comes to preach, I don't have those feelings like, oh God, what what am I going to do today? (laughs) Speak through me, Lord. But there are some times. There are some times. And I think as we go to look at the book of Acts, we can see how it relates to all those types of thoughts and questions when we look at the great awakening. I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit, as Jesus commissioned his followers in Matthew chapter 20, as he says, now go and proclaim the good news to all nations. That he wasn't giving them an empty task. That he was going to be with them. He was going to provide for them. He was going to give them provision. And this is something that was swirling through my mind as I was finishing the book of Luke and moving into the book of Acts. Because sometimes we chalk up the Gospels and, you know, subdivide them. But if we look at the Gospels, there's this tremendous flow that moves right into the book of Acts. If you read the book of Luke, you'll see that it's talking about the life and ministry of Christ. But then it continues through the lives of his followers. And the one thing I want to draw out as we start reading from here in Scripture is for us to get this understanding of not only this commission that we have, but he wants to awaken within each one of us that we can do this. That as his ambassadors for Jesus, to go into the world, to proclaim the good news, that we can do this. His Holy Spirit is going to give us the words to speak. Amen? So let's go to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I wrote the first narrative, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, You have heard me speak about. For John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, 
Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Lord has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you in heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they arrived, they went into the room upstairs where they were staying, and Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I want to stop there for a moment. When we're looking at this passage of Scripture, it's exciting. Jesus has been saying all this time, preparing them that the time is coming when I will leave you. But it's a good thing when I do because the Father will send the Holy Spirit. For you to be able to begin what I've commissioned to you, I must go, I must step out of the way so you can step into your destiny. He was awakening in them this understanding that now is the time to go. And here I love how the angel is saying, men of Galilee, why are you looking up into heaven? As if in a way to say, I'm, I'm, no, I'm putting my own little spin on it here, as if, as if they're saying, well, is it time? You know, men of Galilee, why are you looking up to heaven? You need to be about what God has put on your heart, what he's commissioned you to do. And so this story, this account of what's happening here, we'll see in Acts chapter 2, that at the time of Pentecost, a religious festival, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Now, there's something significant about this festival. You know, I was on my computer pulling up the mainframe and doing some research. And the festival of Pentecost has different names. Festival of first fruits, festival of the harvest, festival of weeks. It's several weeks of this celebration of what God has blessed them with. And, and specifically of uh, the harvest of grain offerings and such. And we're actually told in Numbers chapter 28, verse 26, it says this, On the day of first fruits, you are to hold a sacred assembly when you present an offering of new grain to the Lord at your festival of weeks. You are not to do any daily work. Deuteronomy 16, verse 9, You are to count seven weeks, counting the weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. You are to celebrate the festival weeks to the Lord your God with a free will offering. Just remember that. A free will offering. That you give in proportion to how the Lord your God has blessed you. Rejoice before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to have his name dwell. You, your son and daughter, your male and female slave, the Levite within your city gates, as well as the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow among you. And what I want to draw emphasis here to is he's stressing that this is a free will offering, giving back to how God has already given to us. And what stuck out to me in looking at this account in Acts chapter 1 and going to verse 2, just before the Holy Spirit is poured out, the festival is going on. People are coming, they're bringing gifts. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing, the harvest that you've blessed us with. But what's cool about a covenant is it's not a one-way street. God said that he would establish a covenant with his people. He said, I will be their God and they will be my people. So it's this mutualness, this close intimacy that's going on. And as they're offering these free will gifts, God said, I got a gift of my own. Remember Jesus said, it's good that I go so that the Father may give what is promised, that he may send what is promised, the Holy Spirit. And so it's fitting on this time of Pentecost, he gave back. He gave what was promised, the Holy Spirit. 
And before we go to Acts chapter 2, let's do a little bit of a flashback. Let's hop in the DeLorean, and we're going to go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. So the flux capacitor has taken us to that chapter, and we're going to see how Jesus is talking about the impact that the Holy Spirit, the counselor, is going to have. In verse 7, he says, I'm telling you the truth. you got to love when someone says, I'm telling you the truth. There's no fabrication. This is the real deal. You can trust this message. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. Remember that part. He will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He says in verse 14, He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. In a little while, you will no longer see me. And again, in a little while, you will see me. What incredible promise here that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you in truth. He won't speak on his own accord, but he will speak directly what he hears in the throne room of God. As I was reading through this passage, I remember a statement the Apostle Paul made. I believe it was to the Corinthians. And he says, who can know the Spirit of God except for God's own Spirit? And we love this, that, that God, he's not holding out on us. He's, he's laying it all out right before us in all truth. He's going to guide you. You're not going to falter. You're not going to have to shrink back because I'm going to guide you every step of the way. Everything that is being proclaimed to you is coming from God himself. And the way this encourages me personally is when it comes, when he says about matters of righteousness and sin and judgment, that I truly believe, church, that when we, in one accord, when we have a matter to discuss, any matter of morality or whatever that list may be, I believe we can all be in accord because we have the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that teaches each of us. And I know that we have missteps. I myself, sometimes my antennas aren't up. I'm not receiving the full message. Maybe I've put a, a firewall up because I don't want to receive that message. There's some messages that I'd rather receive because it makes me feel good. But the other one's about living righteously and turning away from evil, which is important. Repentance, right? That sometimes I just want to block those things out. We're human, right? Isaiah, do you do that? Yes, I do too. Carl, do you do that? We all, we all do it. Thanks for the involvement, guys. I appreciate it. We all sometimes put up the firewall. But here's an amazing thing that I want to just focus on here for the next few minutes. Jesus has, you know, he's ascended to heaven. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. They've seen this tremendous wonder, the disciples, that, wow, our, our, our um, teacher has ascended. He is the Son of God. And he's going to be coming back, and he's commissioned us. He's given us his Holy Spirit, and he's going to empower us to carry his message. And I believe as we go to chapter 2, we're going to be encouraged because in the midst of conflict, you see, the followers of Christ, this was no sugar-coated message that eventually they were going to face some hard times. Jesus said that people in the world are going to hate you, but remember, because they hated me first. We looked at two weeks ago that the world in which we live, Jesus said that there's going to be many things that are going to happen, but it's still not the end. But you're going to face tribulation and disasters of all kinds, but endure. So how can we endure? In Acts chapter 2, it tells us exactly by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Again, as I emphasized earlier, he wants to awaken us to take a hold of the empowerment that we have through Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, 
It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astonished and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontius Asia, Phagiria, Pamphylia, and Egypt, in the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But some sneered and said they are drunk on new wine. Got to pause for a moment. That the point that I want to emphasize is in the midst of chaos, that's not the only thing that we have to look forward to. But in the midst of chaos, it's this signal of a great spiritual awakening, a great spiritual blessing, the Holy Spirit. See, in the midst of chaos, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. And I love here that as the disciples, as the believers of Christ are gathering together, that they are given the ability to proclaim the wonders of God and the people who are listening in their own native tongue. You know, sometimes when I speak in tongues, I've been tempted, if I can use that word, to record myself speaking in tongues, put it on YouTube and say, am I speaking someone's native language? I haven't done it yet, probably just a, maybe a fear of like, you know, wondering what would happen. Maybe we should do that, Isaiah. We'll record it one day. We'll put it online. But I'm just amazed because in Acts 1.18, it says, you'll, re you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses. So here, those words, those instructions, they didn't fall flat. The very thing that Jesus said would happen, happened. They had this outpouring. They're, they're entering into this great spiritual awakening that God not only commissioned us, he's given us the full provision to make it so to be able to complete this task, this commission to go into the world. Some music outside. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, talking about this spiritual awakening in the midst of chaos, Paul told young Timothy this, but know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, even disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. And if we go to Matthew 24 from the text we looked at two weeks ago, and then they will hand you over to be persecuted. This is in verse 9. And they will kill you and you'll be hated by all nations because of my, my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, because lawlessness will apply, will multiply. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so I say those, share those two verses because it signifies that we know we're living in the last days. I talked to a bunch of Christians this week who said, I don't know if we're in the last days. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm, I'm sure we are. I mean, the, Jesus said we're living in the last days, but, you know, for a moment, it took me back for a brief moment. I'm like, I got to get back to Scripture. And so I was pondering through, going through these passages of Scripture, and sure enough, there are countless numbers of Scripture that proves that we are, in fact, living in the last days. Jesus said it. Paul told Timothy. And in fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, Peter says this, 
that Jesus, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in the last times for your benefit. So right during, when Jesus came, he initiated the last days. And so we said, things are going to get tough, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that is going to give you power to witness. And not just witness, but to endure what lays ahead. Remember what he said in Matthew 24, that the love of many will grow cold. I was pondering over this, and I know we tackled this a bit two weeks ago. But ultimately, I believe what was speaking to my heart is the way that we endure, the way that we do not lose heart is by the power of the Holy Spirit that's living within us, that is sharing those messages from the throne of God saying, you are a child of God. No matter what's happening around you, no matter if it feels like the enemy is closing in, even if your friends who once served the Lord are now denying Christ, you don't need to follow after them. You belong to me. I have commissioned you. Stay steadfast by the help of the Holy Spirit. And so point number two is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of restoring the purpose of all of God's people. And that is being light bearers. Light bearers. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he says, You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. But you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And I love how he wraps this thing up. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He is fulfilling what was stolen in the Garden of Eden. When they fell, it began this cataclysmic event of robbing the people of God as ministering agents of light, beacon of light and hope because they got their antennas messed up and they, they decided to not follow half the things of God. And yet we see in scripture all throughout the Old Testament and right into uh, looking in Acts that Jesus fulfilled many wonderful things, forgiveness of sin, but also the restoration of our commission as light bearers. Light bearers. You know, the other night I was uh, hanging out with Jackson and we were looking for something. And you know, with children, they want to turn things off and on all over the place. And in our basement, we have just a few windows. And sure enough, we're walking through the part where it's just pitch black and the lights go off. Jackson flips the light. I'm carrying some things. I tumble over. I'm like, oh, Jackson, turn the lights back on. And immediately in that moment, it actually dawned on me, because, you know, I'm preparing for this message. We are light bearers. When we turn the switch off, people can stumble and fall. And sure enough, I took a tumble. You know, my, my glutamus maximus or whatever you call it wasn't the same uh, after that moment uh, in time. But we are light bearers. And I'm encouraged that Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 48, you are my witnesses of these things. And going back to verse 47, he says, that this is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You were witnesses of these things and look, I am sending you what my father promised. As you stay, stay in the city until you're powered from on high. And so you got to love the fact that he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses, that you're going to proclaim this truth of forgiveness for sin in my name. You know, there's been a lot of counterfeit messages out there. You know, as Christians, I know times, even during election times and such, it gets tough because kind of like cattle, you want to go with the flock. You want to go with what's popular. But we see here that the followers of Christ... They remained 
steadfast and together, and they went into the upper room together, and they said, you know, we're going to wait here. We're not going to run for fear of our lives. So I'm sure that there were those who maybe heard the word of Christ, because Jesus said many heard his message but departed him, departed from him. But they went to the upper room, they prayed together, and the Holy Spirit was poured upon them and gave them the ability to proclaim the wonders of God. Look at uh, Peter, one of the close uh, disciples of Christ. When all this was going on, all this chaos, if you will, people were like, what's going on? He says, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me make, explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. He says, it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And just for a moment, the name Joel means, um, oh my goodness, Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. Isaiah, I looked your way and it just it hit me. Thank you. Yahweh is God. And so here the prophet Joel is declaring something that Peter is going to bring uh, to the forefront. And remember, the Holy Spirit would would speak to them and give them the words to speak. So here Peter speaks this word and says, and it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and old. I want you to put yourself in this scene for a moment. Are you serving in the most high God? Are you a child of God? This is for you. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord's coming. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this just shouts to me, got to love Peter, the person who once denied Christ. Jesus gave him a second chance, if you will restored Peter, restored his commission of being a light bearer, and Peter comes up and stands and declares what is happening, that all of you are receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit, or they're seeing the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out for one big purpose. What was that purpose? He says right at the end, as he's quoting Joel, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The reason for this outpouring, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is so that we can evangelize. Now, surely enough, the Holy Spirit quickens each one of us to live for righteousness, to live after God, to follow his way, right? But most importantly, he gives us the words to speak. Paul told the Ephesians that we speak the truth in love. And so by the Holy Spirit, we can speak the truth in love, but also with deep-seated conviction. I'm not going to go with the flock. I'm not going to go with the crowd, but I'm going to meet together with the people of God. We're going to pray and declare for heaven to be poured out upon all flesh. And so today as we're worshiping, as we were singing, you know, you love the songs that we're singing. No, this is my testimony from death to life. We're talking about how Jesus is working in and through our lives, that his Holy Spirit, right, is is girding us to be able to bring the gospel message to those that we love and even those we do not know. But I'll tell you right now, if we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, he's going to put people on our heart, he's going to put specific names on our heart, and we're going to be given the words to speak. Let me tell you something interesting. This past week, about Wednesday night, I met a, a young man, and he gave me permission to share his story. I had never met him before. He, uh, he contacted me through our website. We had this thing called Simply Book. And you can go on our website and it says, you want to meet with the pastor? You can click there and you can book a time. So he booked a time through the, uh, our website. And he said he wanted to chat. This guy has studied the Hebrew Bible like nobody I've met before. I was totally not prepared, right? I just thought he just wanted to chat and pray together. And he just unloads these bombs, if you will. And, and good bombs, buddy. They were good. Good, good thoughts, good questions. And in that moment, I kind of stepped back and just said, Jesus, Holy Spirit, give me the words. How do I respond to some of these questions? And sure enough, it was almost like an outpouring, like a waterfall. And this peace came over me and just 
like these words just started flowing out, out of me. And I, to this, this moment, I can't recount for you what those words were. But you know when it's God because they're so just perfect for the situation. And we call that words of knowledge. A specific word about a person, place, or thing that also can bring a rhema word from Scripture. And a lot of these, um, the subject that we're looking at here today about being uh, lights and being able to speak even in a time of spiritual darkness, that in our conversation together, we were able to speak to those dark matters that we were discussing. discussing. And I can't tell you exactly what the content was, but the whole story came full circle to a place for this young man of, of peace and just awe of what Jesus Christ accomplished that sets, set him free from having to fulfill the requirements of the law. Even to a point where this young man was considering taking the Nazarite vow in order to be closer to God. So anyway, long story short, I'm just so thankful of the Holy Spirit's leading, for one, to lead this young man to book an appointment online for us to meet for coffee, and even in the bombshell that the Holy Spirit was able to give me words and bring scripture to the forefront. And so we can see here as Peter talks and shares this prophecy given by the prophet Joel, that he's showing us that not only in the midst of chaos and spiritual darkness, it is most definitely a signal of great awakening and great blessing of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, as you, as you look around, as you, you know, leave this place today, whether you turn on the news or you're in conversation, remember in the midst of chaos, there's great blessing and awakening. God's not going to leave us and forsake us to just leave us, leave us alone to only encounter darkness and, and chaos. He wants to bring blessing, and you are the source of that blessing. He's, he's the faucet, but he's working through you. And when we allow that tap to flow, when you allow the Holy Spirit to flow, imagine what he can do inside of us. The Bible um, connected the Holy Spirit with that of oil. Oil symbolized the Holy Spirit. And so there's an account, and I'm, and I'm closing here, in Zechariah chapter 4. And just a very quick backstory. In about 587 BC, the Babylonians sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, and they were exiled to Babylon. And in about 537 BC, the king or the prince of Persia conquered the Babylonians and issued a decree to free all who were subjugated to the Babylonians, including the Jews. And so that time he allowed over 50,000 Jews to return to Jerusalem under their leader, the governor of Zerubbabel, and the priest and prophet Zechariah. And so in that moment, you can imagine, there's been all this chaos, wondering what's going to happen. Has God forgotten us? And then all of a sudden, Zechariah gets this vision from the Lord. Remember, young men will dream dreams. They'll receive visions. And so Zechariah gets this vision. In uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, it says, The angel who was speaking with me then returned and aroused me as I awakened out of sleep. And he asked me, What do you see? I replied, I see a solid gold lampstand with the bowl at the top. The lampstand also has seven lamps at the top with seven spouts for each of the lamps. There are also two olive trees beside it, one on the right of the bowl and other on its left. Then I asked the angel who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? Don't you know what they are, replied the angel who was speaking with me? No, my Lord. And so he answered me, this is what the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel is, not by strength, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You have to love here the example of the oil and the lampstands. The lampstands signifies light, but what gives the lampstands their fuel to be light? Right? The oil is the source, it's the fuel. And so like us, as the lampstands, if you will, of shining lights that Jesus has restored, that our oil, our fuel is Holy Spirit. So when we wake up in the morning, could Holy Spirit, good morning, be my fuel for today, if you will. He is our fuel. And so this is the secret. 
this is the secret of the spiritual awakening, the spiritual renewal, is as we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's no different for us from those of the times of the apostles. So here's my question to you to bring it full circle. How do we keep our love from going cold in the midst of chaos? Our indwelling relationship with the Holy Spirit as he empowers us in the work that we've been commissioned to do. And so as the worship team comes, I want to read a really powerful sequence of scripture. Because after this outpouring, after Peter passionately declares Everything that's happening, where the Holy Spirit's been poured out, people are speaking in other tongues. He actually goes through and describes the whole overarching story of what God has done for his people from the time of the garden all the way through to Jesus Christ being sacrificed, dying for our sins. He shares this whole story. He shares that the Holy Spirit, this is the promise, that he'd be poured out on all flesh. Young men would dream dreams. They would speak in other tongues. And then the people have a moment of awakening themselves. So as in the midst, as Peter is this light bearer, he's sharing truth. The people who are hearing, the people who are listening, have an awakening of their own. Look here in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And so I want to encourage you, when the Holy Spirit speaks through you, be ready for those promptings of, okay, I hear you. Well, what do I do now? And let's not shy away from speaking the truth in love because we are messengers, we are ambassadors of God. And so Peter replies in verse 38, repent and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, amen. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. I have to love Peter again, who denied Christ. He regathered himself through the strength of the Holy Spirit, and he said it straight and true to what must we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this shouts to us, it should shout to us, that when we come to faith in Christ, when we're baptized, our life is never the same. It leads to spiritual renewal and awakening where our life, we start to align ourselves to be more like Jesus. Not more like the world, but more like Christ. And so as the worship team begins to play, I want to read this passage of Scripture to bring it to a conclusion. To remind us, let the words of Scripture speak to us, not my words, his words. We know that the writers of Scripture, including the Apostle Paul, he wrote as the Holy Spirit inspired him. And so he writes this to the Corinthian church in chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. To you, Adam, to you, Marilyn, to you, Kate, to me, Andrew, to you, Lydia, to you, Wesley, to you, Leslie, to you, Isabel, to you, Ian, to you, Susan, and Larry, and Karen, Carl, Isaiah, everyone in the house, he's given us this message of reconciliation because you and I are ambassadors of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so working together with him, we also appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I listened to you and in the day of salvation, I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. You and I, because we believe in Jesus, he has poured out his Holy Spirit. We are his ambassadors to our friends, our family members. We're able to plead with them through the inner working power of the Holy Spirit as we listen to their story, be reconciled to God. How do we do that? When they share their life story, when they ponder about things of scripture, when they ponder about the things of God, we can speak the truth in love. How can one keep his way pure? You can answer them by turning and fixing your eyes to the Word of God and inviting the Holy Spirit to guide your path. How can I keep my feet from going a crooked way? Keeping your eyes on the ways of God, attuning yourself to His Word and His voice. It won't be like the ways of the world. The world, however, will fight against you, will endeavor for you to live according to their way. But the Bible says this, friends, as the worship team sings, the world and his desires are passing away, but the one who does the will of God will live forever. So he's calling us, he's inviting us to respond with his grace, that he wants to pour out his favor upon us this afternoon as his ambassadors. And so as the worship team sings, I wanna speak a prayer of blessing and to remind us that we have this incredible spiritual blessing, this great awakening through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the midst of everything was said, God, I thank you that you have poured out your spirit upon all flesh, that you guide us day in and day out. Lord, give us those dreams, those visions, Lord, that we can see the people that you would have us minister to. Thank you, Lord, like Peter, on the day of Pentecost, you were gonna empower us, continue to empower us to speak your truth in love, to declare your wonders, to declare your majesty, to declare your forgiveness, your righteousness, and your justice, oh God. Lord, as we sing, as we declare your name, Lord, invade this place. Lord, invade our hearts, invade our minds. Lord, transform us to be effective ministers of your gospel as your ambassadors to this world by the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you this time, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.
Jesus, as the word says, that even the rocks will cry out if we don't. But Lord Jesus, thank you for the breath that we have. Yes, God. That we can praise you, Jesus. Thank Just like I'm in heaven, here on earth. God, with all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Just like the followers up in the upper room, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were doing something like this. They were praying and declaring the name of Jesus. And so it's my prayer for you right now this afternoon that if you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you believe in Christ, you have. And if you speak in tongues, I invite you to pray in the heavenly tongue. And if that's a gift, if that's something that maybe hasn't been fully unleashed for whatever reason, I just invite you to say, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Give me that tongue, Holy Spirit. Give me that tongue that I may testify of your good name and of your good deeds. We're just going to take a few more moments to worship the King and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pour out your Spirit. 